your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. This episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family-owned business that has been serving car park customers online for the past 20 years. Go visit rockauto.com and type in Locked On on the How'd You Hear About Us page so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts you'll ever need. rockauto.com is the place to be. Hey, what's up, Longhorn fans? This is a special edition of the a, con, a collaboration of Locked On Longhorns and Locked On Aggies. I am joined by the host of Locked On Aggies, Mr. Cole Thompson. Uh, Cole, how you doing, buddy? Uh, it's exciting that we finally get to do this. Feels like we've been wanting to do this for a while. Yeah, hey, Pat. Uh, it's a very exciting time. I think that any single time people ask me a question about UT and a and I'm always like, I want to have Pat on the show. I want to be able to break down with somebody who kind of knows a little bit more than me. And it's finally happening. And this is an episode that I think a lot of us want to talk about because once again, it's the subject of conversation, the Longhorn-Aggie rivalry. This was such an important game at one point in the history of Texas football that kind of just disappeared eight years ago. And I don't know about you, but it's very shocking to see how many people have kind of forgotten about this history. Yeah, and it's interesting to me when, when I talk to people about the history of it, and, you know, or we talk about rivalry games, and, and people always bring up uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Texas OU, you know, the Iron Bowl, Army, Navy, you know, all these rivalries. And you never really hear anymore about the rivalry between Texas A&M. And, and while Texas has, you know, throughout the history kind of dominated it, uh, you know, Aggies had their turn of, of winning games too. But, you know, it was still one of those great rivalries that happened every year. I mean, a lot of people got up in that game, and, and a lot of people viewed it as even bigger than Texas OU, which has kind of become the premier rivalry game in the Big 12. And I think the crazy thing about it is I remember actually being a little kid and watching those games on television after Thanksgiving. A lot of people always just picture Thanksgiving Day featuring just the three big NFL games. Dallas is always on. Detroit is always on. You always have that late night game. And then you'll always have a couple of games in college football go on. The Egg Bowl usually happens. But I remember there was several Thanksgivings where we would have our Thanksgiving dinner and we would drive to College Station, or we would go to Austin, and we would go watch that game. Those are memories I have as a little kid, and looking back at it, it was a big deal. It was a very big deal, and A&M at, at one point when they were in the Big 12 were horrendous. Don't get me wrong. When they first joined from the Southwest Conference, it's a lot like the SEC. They slowly but surely found their rhythm, but again, there were moments where they struggled immensely, but this game, this game was always one that was packed to the brim in DKR or packed to the brim in Kyle Field. And you knew whoever won this game, that's all that mattered. That was really it. And yeah, the Red River rivalry is always a big game. Uh, I'm an Alabama alum, so I know all about the Iron Bowl. We talk about the game like it is, you know, bread and butter. We talk about Army Navy. We talk about a lot of lesser known rivalries like the Egg Bowl. We talk about Florida, Florida State. We talk about the greatest cocktail party on campus uh, between Georgia and Florida. This is right in that same category as all those other ones. It may not be 
as high as I would say the Iron Bowl, and it may not be as high as we talk about when it comes to the the game, but the Civil War between Washington and Washington State, I mean Oregon and Oregon State, the this this rivalry, the Red River Show, they're, they're all about the same level for me. Yeah, and I and I agree with you. Like when you when you break it down, you know, I view the Red River rivalry, the game, as you uh, want to talk about the you know, the, the iron bowl, you know, all of those I, I have in a high regard, but I still think Texas, Texas a and is a top 10 rivalry in all of college football, you know, and there are so many memories and obviously for Texas fans, they have a fond memory because of the way the final game went between these two teams. And, you know, I, I kind of feel like there's a lot of people who are itching to have that game back. Some people don't want it at all. But, you know, I think when it comes to college football, and I think you agree with me here, what makes college football so great outside of the atmosphere, because we know college football atmosphere is so much different than the pro level. We cover both. So we both know that. But it's the rivalries and the the intense hatred between the fan bases and the players even, you know, they get into it. And the biggest thing of all that I really noticed is when the rivalry ended, Twitter was just coming up right about right at that time. It was right around that time that Twitter finally started making a presence known on social media. Now you check social media, the rivalries are nonstop. It's bickering and bashing from players, from former coaches, from alumnus, from, you know, players in the NFL wanting to go back. The way that social media has grown into this giant capacity enigma of just pure foundational hatred and I mean literally you can't say anything online anymore without literally getting your head ripped off by some random fan this is one of those times where we would love to see it back and we're starting to see it a little bit because of a comment that was made earlier this week from both uh, A&M and Texas but at the same time it's all just talk and at the end of the day the way to end talk is settle it on the field and this is going to be one of those times where we look at it and go, well, yeah, we hear all the talking, but who, who's going to be the winner? Who's going to be the one walking out? Who's going to have bragging rights for the next year? Yeah, no, I agree with you 100% there. I mean, because – and you're seeing it, but, you know, it's funny. If you pay attention to 24-7 boards and, you know, if you pay attention to some fans in on the Twitter sphere, uh, that rivalry between Texas and AM is still going. They haven't played on the football field since 2011, but it's still going. It has to be going. I mean, it, like, that's the biggest thing. It's, it's still going because of the way it ended. And, and one of the biggest things I like to mention, you're in the Big 12. I'm in the SEC. We both cover it. This is not uncommon to see teams have a rivalry with a different conference opponent, which is why this is such a big deal for, I think, a lot of people. You know, when you look at rivalry week, in college football, you have South Carolina, an SEC team, playing an ACC team in Clemson. You have Florida, an SEC team, playing an ACC team in Florida State. Same with Louisville versus Kentucky, and same with Georgia versus Georgia Tech. This is not uncommon to see these rivalries be games played because of the state. And at the end of the day, you want to win your state. Not only do you want to win your state on the field, you want to win in recruiting. You want to win in uh, in, in every single sport possible. You want to win in the fan base. You want to win in marketing. You want to win in social presence. It's all about winning your state and getting those prospects and those players to come. But 
we've kind of lost that feel in Texas. And the biggest thing of all is Texas is a melting pot for all of football when you really think about it. You can go to any university across this country, and I guarantee you, you will find at least one Texas player on that roster. I don't know if you can say that about any other state besides maybe California. And with that in mind, you don't have a rivalry here? What, Texas Tech versus Texas? I mean, are we talking, uh, you know, Incarnate Word versus UTSA? Like, like, those are the rivalries we're now talking about. And it shouldn't be that way. There should be one rivalry. And then for 118 games, that was the case. College Station and that 187-mile trip to Austin, those two would meet up, and there was always that rivalry path. Yeah, it didn't matter who was good, who was bad. Um, but we all know when it comes to rivalries, you throw it out the window. Um, but next, we're going to get into, and I think Cole's with me, we're going to get into some of these comments that were made uh, between Texas and A&M and, and, and where we all stand. But we want to talk about our good friends over at rockauto.com. Rock Auto changes the game when it comes to the auto. Cole, I don't know if you're like me, but I don't like going to an auto place. I don't like to step in the store, especially with COVID-19 right now. I don't want to go in. My biggest thing is if I can do it myself, I'm going to do it myself. So I always love that rockauto.com has those low reliably prices for me to be able to go in, get the parts mailed to my own house so I can do it myself. And they have literally any single thing you can think of. Think about this for a second. Ross Jackson at Locked on Saints had his tailgate stolen off the back of his truck. He went on to rockauto.com, found a new tailgate and installed it himself for a reliably low price. You're not gonna have a deal like that when you go into an auto parts store because they're gonna wanna pay for that manual labor as well. Yeah, absolutely. So you're saving money. You're not going out and with the opportunity of contracting uh, COVID-19, you get to do it from home. Like you said, All right, cool. reliable, dive low price. You gotta actually check them out. Said, I don't know if you heard what Tom Herman said on the deal. He was on a Zoom situation. call. Yep, we're right uh, in the he, code he where you're about to hear about us locked on and, and you will start seeing reliably Yeah, I heard it, and there's definitely a conversation that needs to be had here, especially by the folks down in Austin and the folks over in College Station. To fly to Los Angeles to play a night game on a Saturday night on West Coast time, to say that we played USC or to fly to Columbus, Ohio, or to fly to – uh, Gainesville, Florida, when we can hop in a bus and drive an hour and a half east. I'll, I'll never understand it. Um, I, I hope someday that, that we can uh, figure out a way to be like everybody else in the country, the Clemsons and South Carolinas and Georgia, and Georgia Techs and all of the examples that I gave you. We'll see. I, I know Chris Del Connie was the same way that I do, and we've reached out to, to try to play them in the past. Uh, didn't go real well. Uh, and, um, you know, maybe this will be the catalyst to make it happen. I haven't heard anything like that, but um, who knows? Desperate times call for desperate measures, right? Oh, here, here, Coach. But we, we'd love to play them. I, I know that. At least I know it, within our program we, we would love to play Texas A&M, sir. So Tom Herman definitely wants the game to happen. Yeah, what I think is amazing about all this is that even though Herman is an advocate for this, so is Chris Del Conte. And Del Conte, keep in mind, is not this big-time Longhorn alum, Longhorn, fantastic, you know, gun-heavy, you know, burnt orange guy. 
he was actually hired away from TCU in December of 2017. So while he's been around the Lone Star State, he hasn't been alongside the program. Unlike the likes of Ross Bjork, who was hired away from Oxford and Ole Miss back in 2018, just right after the Jimbo Fisher hires. So when you see this, Herman, a guy who has been around the Texas area, both at Houston, both at the University of Texas, you have Jimbo Fisher, who's been kind of away from Texas. He's been in LSU. He's been in Florida. He's been in Tallahassee. He's not been in this part of the country. And same with Bjork and Del Conte. I mean, you have a guy who's been bred in the Lone Star State, and you have another guy who's coming over from an SEC school that only plays SEC schools. So it's amazing that there's where I think the argument lies. You have two people who know Texas better than most. And here's a quote actually from Del Conte. Uh, Us not playing Texas A&M is not good for college football. Uh, the second Saturday in September, anytime, any place, anywhere, we'd love to play A&M. The last time we played them in 2011, Texas won. So you think they'd want to play us now. And that's a big point. That is a very big point, in my opinion. Yeah, you're talking about it left a sour taste in your mouth. You never want to go out as, you know, the, the last loser, so to speak. And, and, and he's right, though, and I think you make a good point about how you know, the, the guys at Texas are, you know, Texas born and bred, been around the game, and they understand the importance of the rivalry, whereas, you know, the people that are making decisions for A&M have not. Uh, but, and, and I agree with Del Conte, you, you want to, I would want to play. I'd want to get back to where I was, you know, back to the winning side. Yeah, and then here's a great quote from Bjork who said earlier this year, obviously I'm new, I'm, but I'm learning a lot about this. When A&M left for the SEC, there was an offer made, hey, we're going to have a placeholder. And Chris's predecessors, two predecessors, uh, Del, uh, Delos Dodds and Stephen Patterson said, hey, we'll decide when we play A&M. They moved on. That's pretty deep to the A&M family. There was an offer made. It was declined. So there's not an exact, you know, perfect line on either party. Right now, you have A&M fans and A&M staff going, Eh, you know, we don't really want to play because of we're still kind of pissed off of what was said earlier. But now you have Texas people saying, well, that was another group. We now want this back. So it's kind of like you're playing devil's advocate on both sides. Neither really is 100% right, but neither is 100% wrong either. Yeah, no, and, and I agree. You know, obviously this game is huge for college, for, for college football, for the game of college football, for recruiting. Um, you know, and, and I think that right now, because there's not that rivalry, uh, you know, maybe some players leave the state because there's not – they don't have that tie. They don't get to, you know, play against their buddies. And, and maybe they want to go, okay, well, I'm going to go to Ohio State. Ohio State's done a fantastic job of coming into Texas and taking players. And it makes me wonder if we had that Texas, Texas A&M rivalry back – do some of the players stay home and play against their buddies and try to prove who's the better, you know, who's playing for the better team, who's the better athlete, you know? So I think it plays a part in all of it. And, you know, to circle back to your point about, you know, nobody's in the right here. I think what they need to do is just actually sit down have a conversation about how can we make this one of the great rivalries of college football once again, because they're playing each other in basketball, they were scheduled to play each other in baseball, so why won't they do it for football? 
Well, and here's a big point that we have to look at right now. Uh, according to Bjork, you know, they've scheduled out until 2032, meaning the Longhorns. We're scheduled out until 2027. You look at the logistics, they're full, we're full. So again, that conversation that we want to have between these two schools, the earliest we could see is in over a decade. I mean, we're talking 13 years down the line when it comes to these big time games. However, there is a conversation that can be made when you look at these FCS programs, the Abilene Christians, the, you know, the Incarnate Words, the Lamars, the uh, Sam, uh, Sam Houston States, the Stephen F. Austins, if you take out that game and put in a rivalry game, that's your, I think, only way that you can justifiably say this rivalry can come back sooner than a dozen years from now. Yeah, and I think that's what they need to be looking at. You know, uh, if you want to be the best, if you, I mean, because we ultimately know that what's the goal, you know, getting to the college football playoff, right? And, and so you, I think you need – and we all know that they factor in strength of schedule, you know, style points, all of that. And so I think when you drop one of those lower-tier programs and you add in your rivalry game, I think that only enhances your resume – to be considered. I think so too. And I think the biggest thing of all also is when you look this upcoming year, this upcoming year, you have three conferences right now who have not stated that they're only going to be playing against conference opponents. That's the big 12, which features Texas. That's the ACC, which features four rivalries in the SEC. And that's the SEC. So all three of them are still available. Keep in mind that in week one, A&M is supposed to be playing Abilene Christian Texas is supposed to be playing USF at DKR. Well, that's a week that you can have something. In week three, Texas is supposed to be playing UTEP. Uh, A&M is supposed to be playing Colorado. You can do that. In week six, that is where you start having that conversation. I don't think we can do that anymore because conference play is in. But in week three, four, and one, there are open weekends for A&M to face off against Texas. And right now, they're not saying we're going to play an eight-game season. They're looking to play a 12-game season. And most importantly, that week three matchup that was supposed to be UTEP versus Texas or Colorado versus A&M, can you imagine the revenue that comes from the Longhorn Network? Can you imagine the revenue that comes from ESPN, that comes from SEC Network, that comes from fans live streaming the event, social media presence, t-shirt sales, all that. There's a free weekend in 2020 where we could see if this rivalry still has that same fire in it in week three. And there's not going to be a conversation that could be had. COVID-19 has done an amazing job of kind of separating the country, separating people in their own thought process. But one thing that I think every Texan can agree on is they love football. They don't want to see football go away. And there's a moment where right now you could see football come back in the Lone Star State between two programs that have a rivalry, have that ability to bring in more than what anyone else thinks. And it is almost a possibility. And if there's not a conversation that could be had, if you start seeing these team cancels, we already know that Colorado is out. If UTEP's out, that week three should have a conversation, Texas versus A&M. Could you imagine returning to that game? 
I have a I have a strong feeling that College Game Day would want to be in Austin that weekend or College okay. Station, yep. wherever they decide to play the game. Uh, and and there's this growing conversation that fans like to have about who which is the best quarterback wearing number eleven in the state of Texas. We could answer that: Sam Ellinger versus Kellen Mond. How about this? How about we do this? How about we take a quick break, and when we come back, we answer that question. And while we answer that question, we talk about the logistics of how we can get this rivalry back. All right, Cole. So you know the the conversation that has been had, especially on social media. I mean, we we're we have a heavy presence on social media, so we see it. Kellen Munn versus Sam Ellinger. Who is the best quarterback wearing number 11 in the state of Texas? You know, I think that's a good conversation because I think both have points to it. If I'm looking for more of a pocket passer, a more high awareness guy, I maybe would go Sam Ellinger. But if I'm looking for a more athletic guy who's able to make plays with his legs, keep drives alive, kind of be more of that rattler kind of when the play breaks apart, I might go Kellen Mott. Kellen Mond last year had a horrendous down year for the Aggies. And maybe that was because of a poor offensive line. Maybe that was because of, you know, you had Kendrick Rogers hurt. You had Courtney Davis kind of take a step back. Jamon Osmond really was his only weapon. And you're playing with a bunch of freshmen at that point. He had no run game. I can make up a bunch of excuses. But after his comments saying that he was the best quarterback in the SEC, you wanted to see that in 2019. And you did it. But – the same thing could be said about Ellinger, who regressed immensely after that Sugar Bowl victory against Georgia the year before. Both really took a giant step back when you wanted both of them to take that next step forward. So I think that there is an argument that neither one has an advantage. And if they do have an advantage, it's you're looking at this point at little traits that you want to build a quarterback around. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. You know, I think some of it had to do with the play calling the offensive play calling on the side, on the Texas side, uh, obviously with uh, Mike Yersich coming in, it, it's going to be a new program. Um, but there's a lot there. I mean, his, his best weapons are gone. You know, Devin Duvernay, Colin Johnson, you know, the names they're off, they're in the NFL now. Um, and there's a whole lot of uncertainty there at the wide receiver position. And, you know, but that's a conversation for another day. I would just be interested in seeing the two go ahead to head to find out who truly is the best quarterback in Texas. Um, but let's talk about the logistics of how the game could be played this year and moving forward. Because uh, as we know, this game was played later in the season after Thanksgiving. So is there a way, maybe not this season, because as we've talked about, we talked about week one, week three. Is there a way moving forward to make this game schedule-wise that weekend of Thanksgiving? You know, that's going to be a tough one because with Texas A&M, they're scheduled every year to close out the year against LSU. And that has become actually a pretty necessary game that a lot of people are kind of forgetting about uh, because last year, of course, it was the Joe Burrow show. The year before, it was a seven-overtime victory. And before all that, uh, LSU has won the sixth straight. So it's kind of forgotten about. But after Jimbo Fisher came in, who was the former offensive coordinator at LSU. And in his first year at AM, it took seven overtimes, but he got that win. That sparked a bigger conversation to be had 
when it comes to this rivalry. So I think that right now, when you look at the two schools back-to-back, Oklahoma State is the final game this upcoming year for Texas. For A&M, this year, moving forward, it's likely LSU. I think on Texas's side, you're a little bit more lenient because outside of Oklahoma, you know you have a free weekend every single year that's going to completely change. One of those schools you're going to be facing off against in the Big 12. With the SEC, it's not always the case. So I don't know if we can get at the final weekend of the year. But one other logistic I think you could see, Jimbo Fisher loves to take off Halloween weekend. Instead, that weekend is always known as the largest cocktail party in America, which is Georgia versus Florida. Why not have on the same weekend this rivalry? Because if it still is a rivalry, and it may not be as important when it comes to, you know, how you look at these two teams ranked in conference play, but it's still a weekend that there's not a lot of football going on because a lot of teams like taking that weekend off you would not only be able to see, I think, a higher rating chart because you wouldn't have all these other rivalries going on, but you also, I think, would be able to properly have fans in the stands because it's already going to be a packed weekend with Halloween. So why not go check out a game in two cities that are very well known in two different styles of Halloween? Austin is more so your typical bar scene, and A&M is like hayrides. It's more of a country style scarecrows, those kinds of things, haunted houses. Either way, you would have a ton to do that weekend of Halloween with these two schools. Absolutely. You know, and, and like, um, you know, we talked about a little bit about, and I, and I brought up the Thanksgiving weekend because that's when the game was typically played. And it's not uncommon to see a late season rivalry game between two conferences or two schools that are not in the same conference. So that's why I looked at that. But I think I agree with you there on the LSU. A&M has kind of become that uh, for them. But Halloween sounds like a fantastic time to, to have this game uh, in Austin, in College Station, alternating each season, uh, bringing back the rivalry, bringing back so much tradition. And it, to me, I, I want to see it. I want this more than I wanted to see any game in recent memory just because of what – is there's so much there to gain um and, and you talked about it you know the t-shirt sales and, and you know there's a lot of money to be made and i know with COVID 19 and, and you know they're worried about you know loss of revenue this is a way you can make some of that up yeah and the biggest thing of all i think that you look at is when you see these two go after each other you can look at restaurants coming out with menu ideas you know, with the steak, you get Bebo's, you know, Bebo breakfast. You have for the Aggies, you have something along the lines of uh, Gigum Grits. You know, any one of those things you can add, which people are going to buy because they're going to want to post it on stupid social media. Oh, look at that. I have a picture of Bebo's breakfast, you know, tacos that's made with steak meat. Click, and that's going to go on Instagram and get a thousand likes. All those things can kind of factor in. You can also jack the prices up on that. People are going to be interested in this kind of stuff. And those are other areas where struggling, you know, struggling businesses can regain some revenue. They can finally make a profit. They won't be struggling or suffering that much anymore. Because when you have this, you can have it leading up to the week. That money alone 
is going to help you survive, I think, for a down weekend. And more importantly, Pat, do you want to watch every single year UTEP or do you want to watch A&M? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, A&M. Do you uh, want to watch USF every year or do you want to watch A&M? I'd much rather watch A&M. Do I want to watch Texas every year or do I want to watch Abilene Christian? I want to watch Texas every year. Do I want to watch North Texas every year? No, I want to have those games. One of the biggest things that I learned from Nick Saban when I was covering the Crimson Tide is he's very adamant about playing the top names in college football. And he said multiple times, I would love to play the top 12 teams every year, but I have to schedule against these FCS schools because people don't want to play us. Well, if both parties want to play each other and you don't want to take out an extra game, what's the big deal in getting rid of an FCS, a boring game that doesn't make sales and tickets, that doesn't make sales and revenue, that does not have fans stay in the stands for all four quarters, when you can have a game that's less than 150 miles apart from each other that people will not leave. And if it fails, guess what? We know the rivalry is dead. But I can tell you this right now. Much like it's hard to change an old, stubborn man's opinion, it's hard to change an old, stubborn football fan's opinion that this rivalry needs to come back. Yeah, it, it does need to come back. I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, I mean, I think we've laid it out pretty well. Uh, we talked about the history, talking about what Tom Herman and, and Ross York have said about it. Uh, and I think we both made up our mind that this needs to happen. It's just we're kind of, you know, it's out of our control. I mean, we have to sit back and, and wait and see what they will do. But I think, you know, kind of maybe Tom Herman going public with it and Chris Del Conte going public will help, you know, launch this conversation. And hopefully we will get some answers in the very, very near future. And I think right now at this point, unfortunately, Aggies, the ball is in our court. It's time to decide, do we want to play – against the Longhorns, or are we okay being first losers every single time this conversation is brought up? And I don't know about you, but no matter what I do in life, I like to come out on top. And I'm pretty sure Pat likes to come out on top. So he's going to be very happy right now that the Longhorns are staying positive in that win column. I'm not so sure a lot of Aggie fans are. They're really not. But uh, Cole, I appreciate you hopping on with me to do this special crossover episode between Locked On Longhorns and Locked On Aggies. Uh, but as always, I want to remind you, your favorite football team, your favorite sports team, check out the Locked On Podcast Network and keep it locked on. Yeah, Locked On Podcast, five shows a day. You have over two dozen college sports teams covered, plus every team covered in the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and highlight information to get you ready for fantasy sports season. Subscribe to the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Subscribe to the Locked On Aggies podcast. Listen to us on Spotify. Listen to us on iTunes. If you can't do any of that, at least listen to us live every single day. Every single day is a Locked On podcast day found on LockedOnPodcast.com.